Welcome on into Cleveland Browns Daily. Your GM is at the podium. Yeah, so we've always been a firm believer, uh, you know, as a front office in partnering with our coaching staff and that, you know, that that has always been the case with Kevin. That will always be the case um, with our coordinators because at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we are able to map um, personnel, strengths, skill sets to uh, the offense, defensive, or kicking game philosophy. Um, and that'll be no different than, than with Jim. Um, it certainly does help that, um, you know, having worked with Jim before and having some level of familiarity, have a pretty good sense of, um, you know, what he wants in different, <coughs> excuse me, different, different, uh, Pardon, different parts of the defense, but um, but that that'll be always be the case with our coaching staff. One second, Tony. <laughs> yeah, we we would we would always um, we would always stay in communication with like our our coaching staff or our coordinator for a decision like this. Um, you know, one of the first things we'll ask uh, really any coach that actually. Any coach that is in the organization at the end of the year, evaluate their position group or evaluate their side of the ball. And then from there, we'll have the, the meaningful strategic discussions as we, um, as we modify the roster. You know, I, I definitely understand the question. Um, to be honest, I don't think that's an appropriate question for me to, to answer in, in, in this setting. But I will say that we're pleased with uh, what Deshaun is, pleased with the progress that he's made since he's um, been with us, and um, certainly anticipate him having a, a, a very strong year on and off the field going into 23. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think for all of our young players, we'd like to see them, um, you know, continue to make steps forward. I think David, as a as a rookie player, um, you know, really did a nice job just in terms of his reliability. Whether that's mentally, we were able to put him in a number of of, of different spots throughout the year, and really, you know, his biggest strength physically is, um, you know, really his hands, catching the ball, catching um, in his frame, outside of the frame. Um, you know, we'd like to have him uh, take a step in year two in terms of, um, you know, taking advantage of taking further advantage of his targets and getting more familiarity with our offense. But um, we're pleased with him as a rookie. Uh, would like to see all of our young players progress. With Deshaun on the field, uh, I think he even admitted that he wasn't his best season. How do you quantify the way that he played? Are you still as high as you Yeah, we're, 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 we're very excited about Deshaun. Um, you know, we are looking forward to, um, you know, continue to evolve the offense over uh, the next several months. Um, obviously, having him have a, uh, you know, a you know, full off season going into uh, 2023, and um, you know certainly expect him to um, play at a high level this upcoming year. Andrew, in your first three years, your top 100 picks have all been 22 years or younger. Going into year four, is there anything about that that can change uh, as you kind of look at what your team is, having a franchise quarterback, uh, or is that maybe a guardrail for you in your position? I feel like I've heard this term guardrail for a number of years now. Uh, to be honest, I think uh, perhaps uh, you know more is made of the age considerations than um, maybe how we actually think about it. We really do try and uh, treat each prospect on the individual you know merits of their of their career. Um, I'm not going to suggest that that's not part of the equation uh, for certain players, but um, you know just because a player is older is coming out doesn't necessarily mean they have a lower ceiling. Just because and just and likewise just because a, a player 
is younger coming out doesn't necessarily mean that they have more potential. So we really tried to make those considerations on an individual basis. Um, who knows? You know, maybe that'll change this upcoming year. Yeah, so, you know, first and foremost, like, you know, Kevin Kevin is the driver of, of the coaching staff. That's not to suggest that, you know, we don't have discussions or there's not, um, you know, some level of, of counsel, no different than, you know, how we think about, you know, roster decisions or, or player decisions. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, like, you know, Kevin, um, his goal and his mission is to, to make the decisions that he thinks are best for the team. Um, and, you know, he has always done that and he'll continue to do so. feel urgency every year, Zach, to be honest. I mean, um, I think we all feel like we have an incredible responsibility to the organization and to the city, um, you know, to put, a, to put a good team out on the field. But um, I think that uh, probably if you don't feel urgency, and honestly, you don't feel excitement, to be honest. Like, that's probably the biggest feeling. If you don't feel excitement, um, you're in the wrong role. Uh, I mean, too, too hard to say. I, I, you know, I think it really just depends on circumstances and, um, you know, what opportunities come before us in the next several months. Um, I don't have a crystal ball in that matter, but probably the easiest thing to say is, like, we are very excited and feel very good about the core of the team. Andrew, when you talk about the um, I know you try to balance short-term and long-term and try to build the roster, but does it shift a little bit given the state of the roster, given the fact that it's two straight seasons without going to the I think every year your goal is to make sure that you, you get to the playoffs. And um, I do think that there are different points organizationally where your, your roster, your core is in a different place. Um, we feel really good about a lot of our key and top players, you know, being in the middle of their prime. And, um, you know, certainly think that this is a, a year where we can, um, you know, be very competitive. But um, we want to be competitive every year. Like that's, that's, you know, that's really the goal. We want to we be, um, you know, playing deep into the season every year. And, um, you know, that'll be the goal. I think um, you know Kevin's Kevin's level-headedness. Uh, quite honestly, I think it's easy to ride the wave of emotion, um, and the you know for really any head coach uh, in the NFL. And um, Kevin is very much a steady hand at the helm, and I think it serves our organization, and I think it serves our team very well. I don't think anything really changes in the draft and free agency process in terms of the preparation. Um, I've said this a number of times that uh, we really go into each offseason as if we have an expansion roster. Um, we really go through it like kind of like need agnostic. Um, how that influences decision making because um, the reality of it is when you do have an expensive quarterback, you do have a different set of constraints in terms of roster building. Um, you know, that may change. That may change from year to year. But how we go through the approach and how we go through the preparation, um, you know, that, that really doesn't. I'm sorry, do you mind repeating that one more time? Is that a benefit then to kind of have him at a set number for the next couple of years, kind of know what he's going to be at 
I don't know that it's necessarily a, a benefit because even that can change based on uh, your yearly strategy. You know, that's 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 not to suggest that um, that's not a contract that could get you know touched at some point um, in the next several years. So. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say that 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 in and of itself drives anything. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Tony. To be determined, quite honestly, Tony. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of work to do on the roster. We're sitting here in, say, February or say, first day of March. Okay, last day of February. Um, there's a lot uh, that needs to be done until we get to, to August and we're competing for roster spots. It could be on the table, but there's a lot of flexibility in terms of what we can do from a cap perspective. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, honestly, it was um, a model I saw when I worked in Philadelphia under Howie. And almost the way that I think about it is, a lot of times the general manager's role in season is largely focused on helping run the day-to-day -day of the team. Um, and then out of season, it's really the focus is on the roster and probably no different than like if you're a head coach, right? Your, um, your responsibilities reside offensively, defensively in the kicking game. So I almost look at it as like uh, the equivalent of like an offense and defensive coordinator, so to speak, where you have individuals who are very broad and can do maybe you know, everything across the football operation spectrum, um, but they may have a specialty in terms of, um, you know, helping you from a day-to-day -day perspective, depending on the time of the year. Yeah, uh, quite honestly, Catherine's one of the most talented um, front office executives I've ever had the pleasure of working with. There's really nothing that she cannot do. Um, she can evaluate, she can manage, she can lead. She's really strong in contract management, super smart, super strategic. Um, so honestly, like looked at it as an opportunity just to add, you know, who I view as like a rock star, you know, within the front office. Um, and just it, the, the, the additional benefit of having had some, you know, prior work history was certainly, was certainly a bonus, but um, she's outstanding and, 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 and one of the most talented executives I've had the pleasure of working with. On the when you guys signed John, obviously you wanted him. Was there any thought that this might kind of change the paradigm when you were contracts? Yeah, I I don't know that it would really be appropriate for me to comment on Lamar or anything like that. You know, I it's probably a better question for another team. So, yeah. You have two draft picks in the first four rounds next year. How does that impact kind of looking at trades or decisions you make this year? Is there any thought to that? Uh, it probably depends on the individual circumstance, you know, to be honest. Um, yeah, that's probably the best way to say it. I, I don't know that there's anything systematic or formulaic in, in that regard because, um, yeah, that's where we sit as of February 28th or 27th or whatever the date is today. Uh, but a lot can change between, between now and then. We got time for one more? You know, I'll be honest, that's not something that we've ever really had a problem with. Um, so, I don't know. <laughs> we can't end on that one, Peter. Come on, go ahead. I, I'm sorry, I didn't quite hear you.
you know, I don't have a crystal ball for that, you know, to be honest. Um, my guess is it's probably um, more unlikely that it would, but I don't have a crystal ball. So, all right. Thank you all. Oh, hello. Welcome to the NFL Scouting Combine. Merely Bo, the great Z. That was Andrew Barry, our general manager at the podium. Good to see you. Good to see you. Now, good to see you. Well, I mean, can't one, even blame me at all. I don't even not have a, no, not even you, a, you, nothing. You grabbed There's Andrew nothing. Barry's headset. <laughs> so I, I believe I can. No, I still don't <laughs> oh, want to be blamed. No. Well, oh, I'm no. sorry. Oh, dear God. Bum, I mean, the bum, funny thing bum, is I've been sitting here talking. Oh. You think you would know? Oh, no. No, I had you guys I mean, down so is, you didn't say anything bad. No, well, why would we? It's, we all it's all positive. You know what's been the highlight of the last hour? Tell me. Was Pete Carroll walking by. His eye with a big smile and his eyes popping at the hoodies. Oh my goodness! He was so excited, and he even he even fine said, "If you and I could throw down, Pete, why don't you like Pete Carroll?" I don't know. I don't like Good him. Lord, what's he done? He's the nicest what's he guy done ever. At all. So he go, he he moused to his handler. Yeah. He goes, "Those are some nice sweatshirts." Yeah. That's what he said. So Joe, and then he gave us a, a little acknowledgement. A little like, bit of acknowledgement. Yeah, like you guys are nice people of consequence. You. Yeah. I like where we're located because I feel yeah. like we've gotten so many looks <gasps> of admiration from the hoodie. Nick Shook. Nick Shook. Look at Nick, Nick Shook. Shook. Nick Shook. Walking by. Let's go. I mean, That's it's fantastic. just everybody you want is here. That's right. Look at him. Flipping tires over I saw on his Instagram store the other day. A beast. <laughs> yeah. Nick Shook with the, wow. with the nightmare yeah. travel to get here. Compliments of uh, his people. Oh, they, they wanted to fly him here. Yeah. So they flew him to Detroit, then to Indy. But Why don't we just have him walk over here? Why are we going to talk to him and talk I, about I him know. like he's not Shook, here? I, I don't know. He looked like he was walking somewhere. He's a man of purpose and consequence. This is what happens when you're at the combine. You just Nick Shook walks by. Nick Shook walks by. Put him on a mic. Put him on a microphone. Nick Shook, what happened? Did you have to fly through? Did you fly through those Nick insane winds? Nick Shook had a heck of a day yesterday. Uh, okay. I, I would prefer to drive, but. We did. You know, travel processes, whatever they are. Uh, we flew. We took off from Cleveland. You guys know the weather yesterday was not great. Not great. We drove it. We are in air. Oh, look at you giving up your chair for me, Gibbs. Thank you. Uh, Mike Shook. No, no, no. You're good. It's going to fall apart. The debutante replacing Gibbs' chair. So we're flying from Cleveland to Detroit. And you know how you take off and the pilot goes, hey, you know, welcome to whatever airline. It's going to be a 45-minute flight to Detroit. Uh, Sit back and comfortable. Well, today, yesterday, he goes, we're a 45-minute flight to Detroit. Our return path is Cleveland. And I look to the person next to me, and she looks at me and go, that's not good. I've never heard that before. So we're, we're in air. Our, our Wait a second. Return and abort. Yeah. yeah. We aborted. We, we hung out above Detroit for like 10 minutes. Right back? Yeah. A little too frigid to land. Went right too back to frigid. Cleveland. Yeah. We continue to be in the north. How's it too frigid? Exactly. I think de-icing exists, right? So... The best part of this entire story is when we return to Cleveland, I say, all right, well, I'm going to drive. Sure you are, yeah. Let me get my bag. Yep. No, we can't get that. We can't get the check bag for you. Well, Come wh- again? What? So so where's it going? Oh, it'll be your final destination. And I'm like, are you sure? Yeah. All right. Get in my truck, drive straight to Indianapolis, go straight to the airport, pull up to baggage claim, and there it is sitting Come right on. there. Come on. It was there. Oh, my oh, bag goodness. flew to Indy without me. I'll yeah. tell you what, Shook. Here's what the airlines have sorted out. They know how to fly luggage. That's what they can do. Yeah, that's what they can. They do. are when, cargo. When I had to drive and they don't from care Newark, about when I had to drive, for, they don't care about the humans. No, but when I had to drive from Newark last year for spring break, the bags 
got there. Now, remember, they weren't good at tracking the bags because they no. kept wondering if I'd received them yet, and I'd had them for months. But I like just to continue to string them along. Sure. Um, well, did you go? Sure. Did you come through Columbus, or did you oh, go? Yeah. yeah. Well, Torrential no, downpour. You know. Oh fun. man, wind yeah. shears. Like yeah. It had it all. Yeah. yeah. It was a pretty electric. That, drive that's yesterday. a fun. I think the most fun stretch of highway in America is the stretch from the Indiana border into Indy. Yeah, that's like I love that it's two lane despite it and being bumper to bumper and the trucks, all the way. They're like, oh, let me go forty pass. in the left lane and can't pass. I won't move. I There's turned a to bend go. and there was like a three mile line of just semi trucks both lanes. I was like, well, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, who no. designed this? Yeah, how can we not have a third lane? Unless you're in Columbus, Jeez. you get six lanes. I feel like I'm in L.A. Yeah, yeah Columbus gets no. they got it sorted out. They got yeah, sorted, they're right. sorted exactly. Out. You get to move around there. Yeah. What's up, man? You excited for the combine? Very. It's always yeah. a great time of year, you know. Movers and shakers are here. This is when it starts. Did you just take a listen to Andrew Barry? I Were did. you there? Yeah. yeah. Thoughts? Yeah. Um, I think that every GM is very good at not divulging very much. Oh, jeez. Uh, not saying anything. No, nothing. Yeah. Um, but there was a little bit of a hint about you know an upcoming Deshaun Watson maybe restructure a contract, clear some cap space, get you some yeah. room to make some additions. Yeah. Uh, but I think that uh, this is a team that is got some needs on the defensive side of the ball and. Um, you know, we'll see how they create that base. Suddenly you can get in the market. Some guys, because let's face it, guys, you guys know this. The defensive line needs help. And you got guys who are leaving, and you need guys in the interior. And you got Jim Schwartz, who cares very much about that front seven and is going to maximize them. Yeah. How are you going to maximize his ability? Getting the players he wants. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky spot. I'm calling because for a defensive tackle trade. That's my, I, think all, I think it's all got to be in play. Because, that's what I want. You know, the, the two things that probably you need most of is – playmakers on that defensive line and plural uh, but one especially they need a dude for sure and then you need a speed receiver and the the issue there is you've drafted those things and they haven't materialized in the way that you, you needed them to right let me run one name by you he's an ohio kid he's going to be a free agent he went to the ohio state university paris, paris? I know where you're going paris campbell so paris. he's down on him because he hates ohio state i i <laughs> <laughs> Um, Too bad we're not on camera. That would have been a good moment. That would have been a good moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, I lo- I love it. I he I think I think he'd be great. Uh, I don't know if he's exactly what they need, but I do think people forget. I mean, he won the state in the hurdles, didn't he? Like he did. He was a running back hurdles. in high school. Yeah, he's he was a one ten hurdle state champion. So he has that straight go speed. Um, the other thing that he does that I like a lot is you can put him in the slot and move him horizontal on jets, motions, that type of stuff. He did that a lot at Ohio State. And, and so go back he didn't to, do that in Indy, but no. he did it in Ohio State. But what did you see at the Super Bowl? The Chiefs yeah. were doing that, especially in the second half, all kinds of pre-snap misdirection. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sitting there, end zone view, and I'm this going every which way, and I'm like, well, where's the ball? Oh, it's a handoff to Pacheco. But they had two guys, you know, going yeah. in different directions because you're going to try, try to create those angles, those yeah. advantages. And I think that's this is the guy because, let's face it, in his career he's a second-round pick been hurt every year except for this past year so right. he puts together a good year but it's kind of the end where they're already moving on from him you can get him at a decent number you create some of that space by maybe doing a restructure with Deshaun you do some other things sure. you know next thing you know you got a guy at a bargain price who could potentially make the big plays that you wanted out of an Anthony Schwartz or you wanted out of some of the other players who are either too young or just haven't developed enough because Paris quietly has developed into a, a pretty solid receiver not just a speed guy, and I think that he would uh, surprise some folks back home. You know, like Akron kids. I like Look it. At this, I like it. I like it. I mean, in free agency, if you're being honest about it, it's not a great receiver class. No. And, and from a speed standpoint, it's either McCole Hardman, who's more limited as a receiver, but probably more explosive in just a straight vertical or horizontal mm-hmm. line, and it's Paris Campbell. Otherwise, he's going to have to come from a draft or somebody who's cut that we don't yet aren't accounting for. Right. And unfortunately, in the draft, it's not great at that position. The truth is that we were yeah. still a top-ten offense without that type of a receiver with Jacoby Brissett a year ago. 
I want all, it. It unlocks everything. Right. I want it. it. Come on. It was number. So we we talked about this, yes. Chuck. Like you watch the Super Bowl and you go, you gotta score, man. We got it. You gotta have. You gotta score five touchdowns mm-hmm. <laughs> a game. Like you have to be able to. If you're gonna win the Super Bowl, you gotta be able to score in the mid 30s to beat Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati. That's got to be where you are Chargers, offensively. Chargers, that's just our yeah. free this Jags, is our probably. Yeah. yeah. That's and, just our conference. I mean, you go back and look at last season, look at how you lose to Baltimore. It's a low-scoring game. You can't really move the football very yeah. much. Same thing in Cincinnati when they played down there. Kind of yeah. the same thing. And and the thing is, is is you are just scratching the surface with Deshaun as your quarterback. But if this yes. is the guy, the big play guy, then you got to surround him with some weapons, and that's why you go for somebody like that. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, perhaps you would have done something different. I mean, if George Pickens was in this draft and he was available yeah. to us at 42, we'd have taken him in a heartbeat. Yeah. Now, last year we need some more assets. And I think MJ turned out to be great, but you didn't get what you needed out of David Bell, unfortunately. Yeah. And he's not going to be that guy anyway. He's that's not, not that, his. No, he's that's not who he is. Traditional slot, runs routes well, that kind of right. thing. Right. He's a, hopefully can get to a point where he can be Jarvis-ish. Yeah. But he's never going to threaten the defense. And that's, no. what, we, that's what we need. That's what we need. Offensively. You know, but at this point, defensive line, I mean, that is we. That's number one. We have that Miles. And we have three unknown starters. Yeah, now, Perion flashed, and I think if he can become more of a professional and understand that he has the talent to actually be a game changer, but that might be it. And then certainly a, the rest of the whole group. I mean, Alex Wright, tough rookie season. You knew he was developmental, but we need somebody who's ready to play opposite miles today. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the tricky thing. And there's also, you know, from our vantage point, I'm curious, yours you have been in the organization, then also from the league-wide view, like it feels like it's we got to go. That's actually what was just asked is, do you feel a sense of urgency, an increased sense of urgency? And uh, he said, you know, Andrew said he's got urgency every year. But let's course, face it, guys. Yeah. Like, you can't go 7-10 and 10 again and just continue with the same thing. That's the definition of insanity, doing yeah. the same thing, expecting something different. Well, and Miles is in his prime. Nick Chubb is in yeah. his prime. Denzel is in his Denzel, prime. Denzel, Deshaun, Amari, like it's all. Antonio, right. Teller, like it, they're all yeah, chief, arrived. Like, the time is now. The time is now, so hopefully they can get done. You heard any? Have you heard any fun stuff? Any just league scuttlebutt? Anything exciting yet? I think probably the leading story today is just the Packers' stance on Rodgers. Maybe. Um, what did they say? I mean, it sounds like uh, it could potentially be a parting of ways. You know, it, I mean, how many years would you go through that before you're like, look, I'm tired of this. We've done this so many years. Hey, well, it's not like they won the Super Bowl. No. They won one a hundred years ago in Dallas. Yeah. What do you think happens first? The Rodgers decision, car destination. Or the Bears with trade the first pick. Is there uh, a pecking order that Carr, it has to go? It has to, it has to go Rodgers if you're asking the Jets because they want Rodgers' answer before they before make a they decision go Carr. with so, Carr. If Carr so wants probably Rodgers has to go yes. first. So it's got to be Rodgers. Plus that would help the Packers with the way they plan out their offseason. Is he else. really going to go, though, to the Jets? Like, why would you go to the AFC? Why wouldn't you? Every quarterback I, I, you should want to go to the NFC. You know, you have such, right? you have such a belief yeah. You're guaranteed in to be in the playoffs. Yeah. Of course. Just by you, being a good quarterback. You have such yeah. a belief in oneself, and we know how much talent they have on their roster, that you're like, well, just get a load of them if I'm there is probably the shortest We could have answer. a situation. Let's just you know say I mean? for a second that he I agree with you. To, you know that. I'm just the devil's advocate. If he goes to the Jets, let's say Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets. In the AFC, you will have Burrow, Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, Rodgers, Lawrence, Watson, Lamar, assuming that he stays there. I know he's not what he was, but Russ, and maybe Russ bounces back this year with Sean Payton. I certainly would not rule that out. Right. Okay, that's like nine. I'm probably forgetting some. I mean, Tua's playing phenomenal football. We don't know if he'll ever get to play again, but that's like ten guys. Yeah. Nine of them who are 
MVP, Super Bowl champions, led the league in passing. All of which, if you said, couldn't you picture this guy hoisting Lombardi, you'd go, yeah, yes. absolutely. Then in the NFC, it's going to be what? Jalen Hurts? <laughs> and Dak, I guess. But it's Dak. I mean, right. we're talking like that is Dak, yeah. fine man, by the way. Did yeah. you see the story of what Dak did for the Hoff? No. Oh, he sent his kid's shoes. So He took care of the Hoff's son? So The whole fam. The whole fam. The whole kid. So they're in at the Super oh, Bowl. They were in Dak the same go. box together. Okay. And Toph takes a picture and said, Dak was so gracious to let my kids read to him. They're like reading Dak a book. <laughs> and he says to Joe, he's like, you got to get these kids some better sneakers. And Joe was like, I don't know if I should be offended by that or whatnot. Yeah. But then a week later, he had sweet Nikes or Jordans for the whole, all every single Hoff kid. That's awesome. What a human. I'm big, big deck guy now. Right. Then. That's incredible. But still, number two, I mean. Correct. Yeah. No, I mean, that's it. But so. that, like, that's great. You got to yeah. go. NFC is, Kirk Cousins is probably, and Kirk's, no. Kirk, no. Goff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, there's no, you know, the a couple of them have, you know, multiple first round picks in Detroit and Seattle who are, feel like their team's ascending. Um, Detroit, I but, feel like could be fun. But yeah. there's also this notion of, you know, is there such thing as a quarterback middle class anymore? Can you win with a quarterback middle class? So that's Cousins, that's Goff, that's those type of guys who are upper middle class guys. You might be able to. You can win in the regular season, yeah. clearly. Yeah. Well, you might I, be able to in the NFC. I think that the Rodgers situation is twofold. One, personally, from my perspective, he's radioactive. Okay. Totally. I would not touch him with in a hazmat suit. Okay. There's just too much drama there. But two, I think there's a bit of delusion as well because if you watched him last year, First signs of him kind of falling off. Yeah, there was one great. play in, in particular. It was late in the season where he had a guy wide open and missed him by 10 yards. I think they were playing the Rams. Threw an easy pick. And it was like, he doesn't make that mistake. What's going on here? So you can believe in your abilities all the way to the end until sometimes it has to basically tell you straight up, hey, you're not good anymore. I'm not saying he's there. But I do think that starting to, you know the term, gradual decline, right? Some signs of that there. So you mix that with the with the the drama and the fact that he's just radioactive. I, I wouldn't go after him. This is the scenario in which I would go after him. Okay. And I don't know if it's even financially feasible, but I feel like everything is with a cap is. It's a myth. You can do something. It's a myth. Goes back to the Bay Area. Plays with Kyle. Plays with Debo and Kittle. That's and the Ayuk best spot. McCaffrey. Would the Packers deal him there though? And he's the. He, they a are. They're a Super Bowl favorite. And he's always had beef with them because they didn't draft him. Yeah. But they like, make it right. They, and Kyle, I think, yeah. like, could For sure. I just don't know if the Packers back. would do that. With well, this and, you know, we've had this fairy tale with the Niners and old quarterbacks I in the know. past with Brady. I so it, I think it's as much a dream as anything. Bring Joe out of retirement. Come on. Yeah. Not Steve Young, though. No. Not, not interested. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Bears are in a pretty sweet position here. Yeah. Catbird seat. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. They've leveraged Thanks it well. Thanks to Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith should be – he should be getting a check. For, he should be on their payroll. As oh, a, my God. Well, just an assistant, whatever. <laughs> for I mean, a while. Oh, I, I, I know. It feels like an inside job. I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> well, you got to thank the Colts, too. You know. For right. Screwing that game up. Well, they did the right they thing. They did the right thing yeah. for them. They did yeah. the right yeah, thing. They they were, it, it allows them to be in position to draft the quarterback they want. Yeah. And and if you're Houston, I mean, if you're the Bears, the perfect scenario, isn't it, that you get Houston, you get two, you get 12. Yeah. And then you get a, maybe a one next year or two, whatever. But whatever the cost is, like – and you still draft two. And, you're and you draft still draft two. You're going to graph at one, and maybe you get Jackson Smith and Jigbit at twelve, and away you oh, go. Oh, baby! What's your thoughts on him? I love him. Loves him. I had a buddy tell me he's all the good parts of Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, and when they all shared the field, I, I, you couldn't quite see that. But what you did see was Jackson Smith and Jigbit get a lot of opportunities because Wilson and Olave were on the field. And then last year, you don't get anything out of him because he's gone after the Notre Dame game. Right. 
I, I go back to conversation of ahead. He says, don't be that guy. You're being that guy. Yeah, don't I, be that guy. I, sure. I, I don't. Look, there's no I'm question. That guy. There's no question he benefited by playing with Alave and Wilson. Anybody would. Of and course. On the outside, that's part of it. But I go back to stuff that Hartline talking to him when he first came in. That from a route running perspective, he was a master class right. at that. That his footwork in and out of breaks. That he was a master class at that. And they were raving about him in a receiving room that had Wilson, Alave, Marvin Harrison, who I don't know if you've if you've heard of him. He's, he's decent. <laughs> Uh, Ameka Abuka, like all of those guys, it was Jackson that was like, I'm telling you, it's going to be Jackson Smith and Jigba. I'm not suggesting – I don't think he's explosive as Wilson. He's probably not as smooth as Alave. But, like, if you were to tell me, like, next year, if he's drafted to a team that's got a quarterback, he catches 90 passes, I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 90 balls, 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns. Yeah, I think he's I think he's got that he out, is, the, out the door. Here's the thing, too. So, And Jeremiah was a little bit – it felt like not down on him, but was not putting him in that elite category. And then the right. comp was, well, he could be like an Amon Ross St. Brown. Amon Ross St. Brown has been a phenomenal pro. But they're different players. Yeah, he's not yes, Jamar Chase. That's a low ceiling. He's not but, Jamar Chase, right, though. Jackson yeah. Jigba is regarded – But he's a pro. Way yeah. higher than Amon Ross St. Yeah. Brown was coming yeah. out and, and is from a physical right. standpoint. Amon Ross St. Brown, excellent. And like Jackson's – like, can Jack, could Jackson Smith and Jigba have the career Amari Cooper's had? Yeah. Actually, I like that comparison. Yeah. What? Yeah, he yeah. Could, absolutely could. How physical is he after the catch? Pretty. He's so like, could he, he had 300 yards receiving against Utah in the Rose Bowl. Now, there, was no, there was no defense played in that game. No, but but yes. Utah hits. They're the most physical of the Pac-12 teams by far. Yeah. Stylistically somewhat different, but why can't he be as productive as, say, an Anquan Bolden was to give you a Florida State guy? Sure. I mean, that's the Amari thing. Right. I mean, I think I think he's in that realm. Like, he's not Jamar Chase. He's not Justin Jefferson, which is what maybe they think. You know, Jefferson maybe... was, even as much as we liked him, he wasn't regarded to be what he is. Yeah. If he was, he would have gone in, like, the top five. But it was like he's a really good route runner. He's really smooth. He knows how to separate. But it wasn't that he was going to take the league by storm. That he... trade paid off better for oh, my Buffalo gosh. and Minnesota than anybody ever could have imagined. Everybody won. Everybody wins. Yeah, Everybody... he was, he was very much this? like uh, the, the Alave Jefferson Wilson Chase. The two LSU guys are probably a little better than the two Buckeye guys, but in terms of stylistically, they're it's a pretty good comp. I also think that we're dealing with uh, a bit of a change in what is the archetype of the ideal franchise receiver, the, the first-round pick, because we've had so many freak athletes or players like the Chases, yeah. like the Jeffersons, like the Olaves and Wilsons, that we can't necessarily appreciate a Smith and Jigba, because and it's, this is with Amari and the Browns. He's often overlooked. Yeah. Totally. But go look at the numbers, look at the production, look there. at the situations in which he performs. He performs. It's yeah. it's it's not hard. The great see. Nick Shook. Yeah. It's just Nick a walk Shook. by. What a trade to walk by. by. That's what's happening Nick right Nick now. Shook. It's the magic of the combine. Yeah. Great seeing you, buddy. Guess who we got next. Thanks for I, having me yeah, on, guys. I see, okay. I see, yeah. I see you, man. Uh, there's a new way to cheer on your Cleveland Browns with the help of your favorite four-legged companion, Barking Backers, presented by Milkbone. is the Browns' newest club for pet parents worldwide. Sign up today at BarkingBackers.com. Barking Backers, the fan club for dogs. Live from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. And renew your home for the last time with Renew Home Exteriors siding and roofing products. Don't spend all day with high-pressure sales, guys. The team at Renew Home Exteriors won't waste your day with hours of negotiating the price of your project. Just an upfront fair price to make your project easy. Modernize your home with premium siding, ranging in every style and color. Renew Home Exteriors, superior products, superior service. Visit RenewEstimates.com. Big B. Huge. Huge, huge. 
Bowen Nathan here, and now joined by our great friend Glenn Cook, Assistant General Manager. Good to see you, man. Good to be here. I'm always fascinated by those hits. I mean, you like that? That's that's pretty, pretty that's, awesome. That's the business, brother. That's, that's <laughs> that the keeps business. keeps the lights on. And also, have we, ha, do, do the listeners know about the sweaters? I mean, the hoodies. The hoodies. Oh, they I know. mean, the hoodies, I'm sorry. Yeah, they want, they're covetous. Oh, but my goodness. I don't know if they're going to ever, ever be so lucky. This was a gift from one of the greatest men to ever walk the earth. That's right. To us, personally gifted. Yeah. Mr. Brad Mellon. Brad Mellon. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, we, have an, we have an award on our show called the Pursuit of Perfection, a.k.a. the Brad Mellon Award, the Brad Mellon Pursuit of Perfection. And frankly, he's pursued it, and he's, he's, he's done it. He's achieved it. He's done it. He's, he's trying to corner it. the market on the trophy. Yes. Oh, yeah. He's got it. It's named for him. It's named for him. <laughs> when, uh, it's, it's, hard, it's amazing. Like, you blink and we're back here. Combine again, and away we go. Um, when, when you think about the amount of work that you guys put in leading up to this, and then it almost feels like this is the start of the sprint to the finish mm-hmm. for us. Where Long does it sprint. fit for you guys in terms of the sprint to you the know, draft? It's funny. I've always called it a marathon sprint because you, you think about it. We start in really May. Our scouts do a great job of uh, just getting this jump started with, with the evaluations of all the prospects. So it's really honestly like a 12, 13, 14-month process for us to really dig into to these players and get to know who they are for me. I don't know, I equate it to, like, going to a foreign land every year and trying to <laughs> map out the terrain of these individuals. And every piece of land you go to is unique, and you're trying to figure out what makes it special. And some places look prettier on the outside, but you can't really build there. And then some places look boring. You know, so it's an awesome process. It's a long process. And we're in the middle of it right now. We're in the thick of it. We're close. Yeah. We're close. What's it like when you, you know, you've watched the tape, you've talked to your area scouts who have talked to everybody that knows these prospects from their whole lives, and then you get here and you actually get a chance to sit down with some of them and get in the room. How valuable are those interviews and what's kind of, what are you hoping to come out of those with? I mean, really, it's another touch point to your point. When you go into schools, you're really, you're, you're trying to stay out of the way, right? Let them do what they need to do. They're all competing to try to make it to the, you know, FCS or I'm sorry, FBS championship and and uh you know host a trophy so you want to respect their process so you, you you really get second and third hand information and 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 things about the players so this is really the first time you hear it from them and you kind of get to let them tell their story and, and share a little bit about why you know we should consider bringing them into our organization so it's it's great you know to sit down with these young men and, and get to know them a little bit has there ever been an interview so powerful that it either made you guys say, yeah, we got to have this guy, it was kind of the tiebreaker, Ooh. or no, like, this guy is not wired the way we want. There's, We're been, out. there's been both. i got to think. But just generally, there, there are some times where I think you forget, and I say we, I'll include myself, that we're all humans, right? And yeah. We all have life experiences that shape and mold us in good and bad ways, but you don't really realize what some of these young men have pushed through off the field in their life story to get here, you know, whether it's dealing with homelessness, you know, losing siblings or parents at a young age, um, you know, even some of the on-field aspects of, you know, being benched and having to scrap and claw to get your position back or, you know, build back up your brand as a football player. So, Sometimes you sit there and you're like, yeah, this is this is what it's about, right? You know, yeah. this this is what makes football so special. Um, all the unique stories of each player that you bring into a team and then that team goes and flourishes. Like, 
I think that's what makes football so special. And I, I think let, let's dovetail that into the on-field stuff, right? Because you have mountains and mountains of tape mm-hmm. that you've watched. You've seen them, these guys football. in person. You've seen <laughs> these guys actually playing football. Has there been an instance where everything that, that, that something happened here in testing that defied what you saw on tape that changed your mind? Oh, many times. Many yeah. times. Yeah. You know, the eye, the eye test is important, but it's not perfect, right? So, And sometimes you see things on film – that you have questions about and then guys come and confirm it or you're like, well, wait a minute, you know, I didn't know he was that explosive or man, he didn't run as fast as I thought he would run. So it kind of makes you step back and reevaluate the player. And you're always, you're just testing every theory, testing every theory. And then you get to the draft and you got to make a decision. You know, at some point you got to make a decision. So yeah, we're always trying to learn something where it's something they say, something they know, something we didn't know they understood about the game more questions. So yeah, I think that's all a part of it. Yeah. Well, let's step back and take kind of that 80,000-foot view. You know, A.B. likes to say that you guys like to go into every offseason as though you're an expansion team. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, probably in those first three years, you could do that in a sense because you had a quarterback on a rookie deal. Mm-hmm. And so you actually had kind of a blank slate, we'll call it. Well, now you have the franchise quarterback. He has a big number, which can be restructured. A.B. alluded to that. But how does that change the whole process when the most important thing is in place, mm-hmm. finally? And then, but that causes some financial constraints elsewhere. So, one, I'll say to your part of your question, it doesn't change the process. Like, so we stick to the process every year. You know, we want to be disciplined with how we approach preparing for free agency, the draft. So, I don't think it changes the process at all maybe eliminates a step that we don't have to scout first round quarterbacks but even still like you know you still want to maintain you know the knowledge your eyes and the knowledge of the players coming out so yeah we're still gonna we studied all the quarterbacks this year you know it's just that's a part of our process now how you construct and build the team obviously you have to be strategic about it and and maybe take some unique approaches depending on uh what deshaun's number is or is not but um the process piece doesn't change but obviously every year it's a new team, right? So, like, every team is stepping back a little bit and making sure, like, hey, are we where we want to be roster-wise short and long-term um, to give our chances the best – give ourselves the best chances to compete for a championship. So Yeah, and, the you know, the, the interesting thing, and I'm, I'm wondering – I don't know. I, I think I'm sure in your job you always have that sense of urgency. Um, but we are in the spot where our best players are all in their prime. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're there from mm-hmm. that standpoint. And so um, we can all acknowledge there's going to be some things that need to be done to improve the team. It's crazy in the AFC, the talent in the mm-hmm. AFC. Um, so th- there's a high standard there. Is there a sense of urgency to it, let's go? It, we got to go. The oh, window's absolutely. wide, you wide know, open, and we got to go. You got to be urgent every year, I think. Yeah. So, yes, there is a sense of urgency. I think the fans of Cleveland – drive a sense of urgency um the energy that is in the city right now you you, you feel we want to we want to compete and i think everyone in the building feels the same thing we want to compete for the the opportunity to win the division compete in the playoffs and, and make it to the super bowl so yeah i think if you're not urgent that's an issue yeah. you know if, if if you're complacent at all yeah. in our division in our league it will show so i think the simple answer is yes um now that urgency doesn't change doing the right thing or at least what you believe to be the right thing but um you definitely feel it and you want to feel it you know i i enjoy being in the store and hearing fans talk about the team and and the expectations because if you don't set high expectations you don't have high achievements 
Yeah, well, otherwise, what are we doing here, right? right. I mean, well, this it's is, just right. the window's different, yeah. though, right? I agree. Like if you have young yeah. guys who are, you know, in their in their rookie deals. Bunch of guys, we got a bunch of guys we're paying who are all in their prime. Yeah, and yeah. So there's a different feel. I, it feels different. This is our, my fifth time over here, and it does. This one feels well, different. Added, in Deshaun, that, right? Yeah, yeah. Like we've added all these things that that are like the finite things required to go do the most important thing. Well, I'll say it's a, it's a problem you want to have, right? Yeah, like it's a good problem. You could be talking about needing yeah. to. Uh, Everything bringing a lot of talent, but I, we feel like we have a good roster, and we're going to do what we need to do to make sure it's even better this offseason. So this is something that's happened. So hopefully you're comfortable talking about it because it ties into what you were saying. One of the guys that's in our prime right now, Amari Cooper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You come to the combine. A lot of times, maybe that's when you find out that somebody like an Amari Cooper might be available, mm-hmm. right? And I don't know if it went how it started. If we reached out to them, they it was just kind of known that hey, we're we're shopping Amari here. How does that process go from the moment that it is a kernel that, okay, we've got a chance to get a guy like Amari Cooper, you and A.B. and Kevin and, and Depot kind of huddling up and here's what we go through and kind of just walk us through that process. Because everybody, a lot of people who listen, they don't get to do this in real life. They do in fantasy <laughs> football, right? They get to call their buddy, hey, I Madden. want this guy, yeah. you give me this guy, or Madden, right? But in the real world, how do you guys, what's that process like that lands at, in this case, uh, I'll say it, a fleecing? It brings a guy like Amari Cooper for a very, very nice, relative to other trades that are made, a very nice value. Yeah, we're happy with the trade for sure. I mean, I think it's part of what we talked about earlier, right? Like you want to be consistent with how you approach it. So, you know, every year we're here, you know, you're talking to different people at different teams and trying to understand some of their needs, some of the places they feel like they have surplus, um, you know, some of the players they're looking to acquire, positions they're looking to acquire, or positions to trade away. And so I think we do a good job of, of making sure we do due diligence across the league i think we you know we, we kind of scorch the earth is what we call it in terms of making sure hey who could potentially be available or what team is looking for what and then from there it's just a matter of hey how does this fit you know and really just you know taking our steps with kevin and say hey how does how does amari fit into our offense how does he fit into the system what would we do with him how would we use him um things of that nature and then kind of transitioning from there once you feel good about all right he's a good fit you know, he's a good guy. He's a good person, which Amari is, I think, you great. guys all know. Yeah, he's a great individual. And then from there, it's just, okay, how could we strategically make this move and put ourselves in the best position to also do other things we needed to do? So I think what made it unique was Deshaun wasn't on the roster yet. And so I'm sure some people were like, hey, like, you know, how does this fit into – Yeah, we're just getting a great player. Big, for Yeah, the big pie. But that's what it is. You know, you, you never, you're, never, you're never not trying to make your team better. Um, and obviously there were some other things going on, but – we just felt like he was such a great addition, and fortunately it worked out last year. He played really well um, that we, we ended up doing it. Is, is it fun in negotiation? Because, you know, in, for in our world, which would be in a fantasy thing, sometimes you throw things out like a low ball, and you think that yeah. there's no way, and they're like, sure, yeah, we'll nah. do that. And you're like, okay, deal. You guys sell the deal. Nah, I mean, I'll say you're usually not the only suitor, so there's not – you know, the, there's always competition. The, yeah, there's yeah. not many of those situations where you're coming in, and, and guys across the league – are pretty talented too and they do a good job of making sure they build their rosters and and manage their resources well so you know you often have to make strong offers and it just worked out like sometimes it's just a good pairing and it worked out yeah it's one of those things i think though that i i, I would think would be really exciting about doing the job oh because goodness. you have you have these processes that are built in and the processes are built in so that there's contingency upon contingency upon contingency but then at any moment, you have to be as nimble yeah. as possible with all of the contingencies yeah. when something like this happens. So you can plan everything out all you want, but then all of a sudden it's like, wait, 
we can we do this? This can happen, and then that domino. And then the other piece of that is you get to third base and you can't come home. You know, right? so you do all the work and you know you you make strides in conversation and you get the deal worked out. And then one night they just call and say, oh, we you know we changed our mind or you know we're moving into to a different team for for a better quote unquote price. So you just there's probably more of those than maybe sometimes is. Would people's it's jaw normal. drop with some of those? Yeah, like you'd be su- you'd be surprised. <laughs> I bet we would. Some of the like you get right the there, almost. You're like, oh, yeah, no. you know, a lot of almost where you checked in and you're like, hey, we there's a chance we can get this guy. Yeah. And a few weeks down the road, they either change their mind or it just doesn't work yeah. out. So we're always we're always trying. We're always trying. At least we are. Yeah. You, you mentioned the fans earlier, and you know I think for players as well, and, and maybe even even coaches, although they're in, very involved with you guys, it's very collaborative in that way. But you got to wait till September, right? You got to yeah. wait till September for things to actually happen and to kind of get the taste out of your mouth. And it's true for you guys as well. But in the front office, at least, this is your time to go shopping and to try to like change what September will be. So it almost you almost have to move on real really quickly, right? Maybe perhaps quicker than the players or even the coaches who really can't do anything until the fall. You really do. I mean we as soon as the season ends, like our season ends, you know, we go through a thorough process of first vetting our own team and understanding where we are and and, you know, potentially potential strengths and weaknesses and then move to that next step of like, okay, how do we make improvements? So, yeah, you, you do kind of have to flush it pretty quick. But then on the inverse, like, we get to September and there's not much else, you know, we can do. You have the trade deadline, which mm-hmm. is, a, is another big opportunity. But for the most part now, we're <laughs> we're spectators too. It's kind of like Madden, right? You, you know, put it together and now you got to sim it, and you just have to sit there and watch hope it what the outcomes are. Yeah, I hope, yeah. I hope it works. The only difference is the sim is way slower. <laughs> yeah, much excruciating. You know, right? you sim to end of season. Right. Do, we made it. You can't right. do 10 seasons in an hour like <laughs> over 18 weeks. You know, like a kid yeah. as a kid. So, yeah. um, no, it's, that's what makes it fun, but also sometimes excruciating to go through. Buddy. It is always a pleasure to yes. talk to you. We Love thank you I got to so get a sweater. I got to get a part. Right. We know the part guy. Of the crew. We, we do know the guy. guy. We know the These guy. These are hot. I mean, we have, there hasn't yeah, been somebody. Everybody's sitting down. Glenn, we had this. It literally stopped Pete Carroll in his tracks when yeah. he saw the hoodies. Yeah. He I mean, stopped right there and went was to his handler. He said, I, I like this. This might have to go in the store. Yeah. No, no. No, 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 no. Exclusive. This is rare. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe do a draw, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a draw. Now, for friends with a program such as yourself, well, that's different. But I mean, a whole different scenario. I feel like this has quickly become the most coveted thing. It used to be. absolutely. It used to be. Absolutely. Yeah. The next level is next. I'll see you guys. We'll see you guys. We'll see you down the road. But great stuff, man. Appreciate Good it. Good talking to you, buddy. Yeah. Uh, the great Glenn Cook, our assistant general manager, one of the bright rising stars in all of this business. Second hour of the program coming up next. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Live from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. And welcome back into Cleveland Browns Daily. Our pleasure to be joined by the great Andrew Berry, our general manager. And A.B., I think we'll start here. Uh, is the, how is this the most difficult interview you've ever done in the face of these hoodies, which I know the envy that you have that you don't have one of these yet? I am very, very jealous that I don't have a Cleveland Browns daily radio show hoodie. Uh, where can I get one of those? Do you guys know a guy? Happen to know a guy? These are the three. Okay. Okay. I mean, just saying. 
So I just want to get <laughs> that out of the way. Exception. Just want to get that out of the way. I knew it would be tough. Uh, here we are, man. Uh, away we go. This is, I think for a lot of us, it's like, okay, here we go. Start of the league. But it's, you guys have been doing this work forever now that this is when this stuff really gets going. For you as you come back to this thing, what's, what's most important as you walk in here? Um, what are, what's your agenda look like here over the rest of the week? Yeah, so it's, it's definitely a, a very busy week. Um, it actually starts off with a number of, um, I would say, non-team affiliated business, more league business with uh, different you know, committee meetings that we're on, uh, spent most of the day actually in uh, league committee meetings. But then from there, it's really two pronged. You know, number one, um, you know, it's really the first time that we have kind of our first look at the upcoming draft class. We've done a lot of scouting and research and, and, and obviously, you know, hit the all-star game circuit, but it gives us an opportunity to, um, you know, really spend some time with these individuals face-to-face, in person, um, which is really good. And then there's a fair amount of, of business that, um, you know, we have to take care of with our own roster um, before the start of the league year. So we'll meet with um, a lot of the representation from, from guys on our own roster and, 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 and have those, um, you know, crucial and important conversations. Speaking of our own roster, you got to get under the salary cap by the start of the league year. Today it was reported the Browns would be releasing John Johnson the third. My guess would be post-June 1st designation to save some of that money. What was kind of the decision-making there, and, and how did we kind of come to this point? Yeah, you know, I think at this point um, there's there's really no certainty in terms of um, how uh, that, that, that resolution will be reached, to be honest, Nate. Um, but we did, um, you know, have discussions with, with John and his representation and um, really appreciative of all the, the work that he's done over the past two years for us on the field and, and certainly in the locker room. But as we think about 2023 and moving forward, um, we just thought that, um, you know, that a party was probably the, the, the best thing for the team. So that creates a hole in the back end of this defense. Is this something, you know, when you look at it with, you know, Jim Schwartz going to play a little bit more single high than perhaps we've seen in the past, are you looking for more of a true center fielder to complement Grant? You know, really to, to be determined, to be honest. Like, uh, you know, I think this was, um, you know, certainly partly in conjunction with scheme, but it wasn't all necessarily all driven by that. And without going into the particulars, I think how we look on that side of the ball um, – you know, could could take a a bunch of a different, um, I guess, appearances going into 2023, sure. depending on um, how things shake out the next several weeks. As, with again, without the specifics, because I know you're not going to give them anyway, right? <laughs> nor would we want to ask them at this point to make them public. But just big pictures, as as you look at at a let's say it's a wall, what how many contingencies are there for you at positions? What what does that look like? Yeah, it, you know, it's probably hard to give a a firm number, but I'll suffice it to say a fair amount um i think probably 2020 uh was maybe the only off season where a lot of the call it plan a or original plan you know came to fruition um oftentimes the next six seven months they take a lot of different twists and turns so uh, we certainly do have a, a preferred approach as we you know enter the month of march and certainly uh, the 2023 league year um but oftentimes it changes so our big thing is we want to make sure that we stay flexible and we stay opportunistic um, as opposed to so rigid that we can't adjust to either unexpected opportunity good opportunities or um, you know perhaps unexpected things that we hope didn't occur so we've just got to be able to stay loose and flexible we talked about the salary cap earlier and in kind of his planning for that you know right now some people oh the browns don't have any money just explain to people the 
the mechanisms you guys have at your disposal between now and the, the start of the league year to free up space and then to be able to make some of the moves that I'm sure you are hoping to make when free agency opens? Well, how about this? I will guarantee that we will be under the salary cap before uh, the start of the 2023 <laughs> league year. Um, th- th- quite honestly, I think um, that's that's oftentimes a, a, a maybe a difficult thing to, to fully – um, appreciate within you know within public spaces. I think number one because um, you know most teams at this point there's a little bit of a disassociation between how you manage the cap and how you actually manage your cash going into the league year because the cap is really just an accounting mechanism for how you're going to spend on the roster or spend on the team. Um, within you know the cap accounting rules, there are a number of ways to create space. You know whether it's um, you know a, a cut releasing a player whether it's trading a player whether it's restructuring a deal whether it's negotiating a, a you know a real extension so there are a number of tools at um, you know at the disposal of, of NFL teams to create room um, but you don't do any of these any of these moves in a vacuum sure. um, you know you think about it number one holistically with the roster in the present year uh, but then you know secondarily it's it's really kind of at least we look at it over, uh, you know, a multi-year sp- multi-year span when we, you know when we plan. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, our big thing is maintaining flexibility um, from year to year, and, and that'll that'll continue to be our approach. Ab, from a if, if you think of the off season as a as a pie chart, what percentage of that chart is this week in Indy on a prospect level, and then of that percentage, how do you weigh workout, individual meetings, medicals, the importance there? I'd say this week is like maybe maybe upwards of five percent and um probably in most prospects case maybe two to three yeah. percent and and the ones that maybe fall in the five percent category are the ones that may have um you know significant medical issues that that need to be discussed or, or further or further vetted um you know really the work that we've done for you know at this point the past call it 10 months on this draft class you know weighs more heavily than anything that they would do here um the medical information is something that you don't get till till you know, really this, this week, um, the, you know, interpersonal touch points are, are important, but even then you only get limited time. Um, and we'll oftentimes wait the people who have been with them at their universities for three, four five years, um, outside of maybe a 20 minute exposure that we get in Indianapolis. But those touch points are important. They gear how much additional time we want to spend throughout the spring process. And then it's always good to see the, you know, see their, um, you know, their physical characteristics in a, in a, um, uh, a controlled environment, um, but at the end of the day, those are those are very small pieces of the puzzle. And it's a it's a puzzle that involves free agency, and it's going to involve draft in terms of the roster construction puzzle. We have a lot of free agents. Take the linebacker position, for example. A lot of guys who played for you last year. We had so many injuries, but many of them are going to be free agents. Do you expect to kind of shore up anything prior to the start of the league year and solidify some people that have been here, bringing them back? Or is that something that you're kind of, we'll see how it all unfolds once we get there? Yeah, honestly, it's yet to be determined. And that's not to say that, um, you know, there aren't a number of individuals that we'd like to return to to Cleveland, but um, the timing of that is really individual specific. Um, You know, I think we'll have a number of, of, of our players, um, you know, that will hit the free agent market and, um, the market dynamics will determine whether they return or not. Um, but you know, one thing, uh, one thing that I've learned over the past couple of years is it really is a, a bit of a marathon in the off season, not a sprint. Like everything doesn't happen in sure. uh, the first couple of days of free agency, whether it's retaining your own guys or signing other players or, um, filling different roster needs. One of the, uh, obviously most helpful things for this off season is you're going to get a full off season with Deshaun Watson. He's going to full training camp. He's going to get a full season, all of those things. As you look back on that 
the chaos of all of that, mm-hmm. of camp going to 11, all of that stuff, and then the return. How, where does your mind go? Where's your perspective on what that process was like and how, how we handled it as an organization? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly a lot, but, I mean, look, every organization is going to go through adversity. Every, every organization is going to go through um, challenging times at points in the year, um, and really our job is, as professionals is to navigate them. Um, and, and, and obviously for us, like, you know, really as we, like, reflect on the entirety of the season, um, you know, our results weren't good enough. Um, but we're certainly, you know, energized by the challenges of, you know, improving the team, improving the organization, and making sure that, you know, when we're here a year from now, we're a lot happier with the results from the season. This is going to be your fourth draft in this time with the Cleveland Browns, your fourth off season, fourth free agency period. You know, your first class that you drafted is they're going to be their seniors now, right? They're going in the final year of those rookie deals. What's kind of been the biggest thing that you've learned or what's maybe changed the most in your approach, if anything, about, you know, that you've gained from those past few years' experiences? I think it's really just, honestly, patience. Uh, patience and flexibility. Those would be the two two biggest things. Um, you know, I think early on I used to um, worry more about things that, like I couldn't control or we couldn't control as an organization. And just the reality of it is like whenever the league year opens, um, it's really a seven, seven and a half month time frame until you get to the trade deadline and you can no longer make changes with your significant changes sure. with your roster. Um, and the number of, um, you know, doors that will open and quite honestly doors that, that may shut that you don't expect that happen during that time period, you can't predict. And, um, you know, staying flexible is key. Speaking of that flexibility, you guys have been, I wouldn't say rigid, but it, it's clear that you have an age preference for people that you like to draft. Mm-hmm. With, you know, guys like Miles and Denzel and Nick, and now you have Deshaun kind of in their primes, and given that the COVID year has caused this draft class to have probably more older 23-year-olds in the top 100, does that change your approach in, in thinking about that age number at all? I'd say not in particular, and I, I, I think, you know, maybe there's uh, – uh, Maybe the age preferences are a bit overstated. Um, look, we'll we'll deal with each prospect or each individual based on their based on their individual circumstances. You know, I don't know that um, you know age necessarily equals readiness coming into the sure. NFL. Just like youth doesn't necessarily mean that the player potential. Yeah, potential. So um, you know, we really try to address it on a case by case basis. Ab, how do you balance? I mean, Z mentioned like you know this is. You know, fourth draft kids going into these final final year rookie contracts. Everybody you draft, you love, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't have drafted them. Mm-hmm. How do you balance uh, what you saw in someone as a prospect and versus maybe some of the difficulties they've had on the field? This business has been as we get it, but there's a personal side of it too. How do you balance that personally? Yeah, I, I think it's probably no different than any other. I, I mean, it may sound silly, but it's no different than any other um, position in the organization. Obviously, when you bring someone in, You'd like to be able to support them to have as much success as possible, but um, you know the reality, particularly with the draft, um, you know on average, I think there are roughly maybe 47 starters that come out of uh, you know 250 you know person draft. So it's it's actually a very small subset of the draft, and I think you kind of understand, you know, doing it, uh, you kind of understand what to expect going in. Um, and, and you realize that 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 not every not every player is going to reach his his potential. Not every player is going to stay healthy. 
Um, and then sometimes not even every player will just reach his potential with you. Um, yeah. And that's just kind of a, a reality of the reality of business. And um, you do your best. At the end of the day, you want to make decisions that are best for the organization. And you can do that while still treating and managing people with um, you know, a level of empathy and support that is fair to the individual. And that's what we try and do. Yeah. As you're here, and you're not going to tell us, but I think, I think it's, you know, from the outside, it's somewhat obvious some of the things that we need, right, mm-hmm. going into this off season. How do you kind of divvy up that focus in terms of on the defensive line and working with a new defensive coordinator now in Jim Schwartz and kind of figuring out, and you guys have history together, but figuring out what that looks like, you know, because it's a minor shift. This is the first time you had a new defensive coordinator with a little bit of a different defensive style. How do you kind of focus in on honing in on what we want for this now and kind of to build this team where you know we've had veterans in the past now we're counting either young guys to step up or step in and then we still have free agency to fill in some veterans but how does that that kind of new marriage work and change kind of the outlook if at all i don't i don't think the process is that different i mean we you always want to make sure that you partner with the coaching staff if you're if you're a front office um you know front office member um i think having familiarity with jim and quite honestly, being in um, similar to systems to what Jim has done, mm-hmm. you know, during my time in Indianapolis, uh, certainly helps. But you know, I, I know I know Jim very well from you know from our time in Philly. Um, but even if even if we didn't necessarily have a working history together, um, you you know, I, I've always kind of come up in the model where the front office partners with the coaching staff, and um, you ultimately try and marry players and skill sets with the philosophy of the coordinators. The, you, you mentioned Jim Bubba as well uh, coming in, and a bunch of bunch of changes to the staff. Um, what person? Were, were there certain traits that you guys? Were, and obviously, it's Kevin staff. But in terms, it's the Brown staff. Is you certain traits you were looking for in filling those positions? Were, were there any things you, we need a little bit more of this? Yeah, I think I think it's you know I think number one, it's probably more appropriate to ask you know sure. Kevin about it. But you know from 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 my perspective. Um, you know, we had the opportunity to, to, to add two very talented coordinators um, and a number of other talented position coaches. Um, I think that um, certainly like with Bubba in particular, former player perspective, proven track record, really good teacher, um, you know, passionate, fiery personality. Um, I think those are all, think those are all po- positives. And, um, you know, with Jim, um, I think he's called over like 400 NFL games, either <laughs> as like a head coach or a defensive coordinator, super smart. Um, been a variety of places, former head coach. Um, again, another another experienced guy with a proven track record, and you know, I think both those individuals can make our organization better. One thing about his defense, it's always had a pro bowl or all pro defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. We've got guys here that you've drafted, Jordan Elliott, Perry on shown, I think some flashes certainly over the second half of that season. How important is it to find that real interior disruptor? And, you know, Deron Payne was a guy we all saw, like, oh, he'd be great. Well, they franchised him today. Um, how how important is that? Yeah, I, I think people oftentimes want to put Jim in a box, um, and I wouldn't necessarily say that, that that's the case. Um, you know, certainly everybody would love that player, um, but but Jim is is perhaps not as um, as rigid or dogmatic as maybe people assume. All right, this one is, and this is a serious one. Are you finding it this year harder to trade with people after what you did in the Amari Cooper trade? Because <laughs> I would imagine that when you do something like that, people are like, "Oh, he's into this." Maybe I'm not as into this. So we run into this in fantasy football we all the run, time. Yeah. I'd like people you like you fleece me. With Segura. Yeah, you're not. I, they don't want to trade with you anymore. <laughs> I don't know about that. We'll we'll, we'll see as a, as we get into uh, you know this week and uh, the upcoming off season. But I, I think we're. 
um, fortunate to be in a transactional league um, where people are more willing to, to be flexible with their with their roster. So we'll see. Well, you got to be nimble, and I yeah, think that's yeah. one thing yeah. you've done that's very you know you when opportunity presents, you've got to be ready to act, and it feels like uh, you guys as a front office are always ready yeah. for that, and that's got to be such a huge part of the job. No, it, it it's 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 needed it's it's needed and um and particularly in um you know the current environment that the nfl's in with it being a more transactional sport so um it's certainly something we pride ourselves on and, and hopefully we can pounce on opportunities this year as well yeah that goes back to what you're saying about having the flexibility with the cap to be able to oh we want this guy we can go get him that's exactly right is this a fun time of year for you, or is it a stressful time, or both? Oh, it's both. It's both, but probably more fun than stressful. Yeah. yeah. Get to go out there. We'll do some great things, get this roster going, and excited for a, another season here, and hopefully one, as you said, that meets the expectations yeah. of a team that has a chance, I think, to be very, very good. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. Amy, right. thanks for your time. Yeah. All right. Thanks, both. Thanks, right. Nate. Much more to come. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Live from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. And if a car, truck, or motorcycle accident caused you injury, call the injury lawyers at 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk's a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. You know, we've had so many luminaries that we haven't even had a chance to chop it up. No, we didn't, and I have two taco dinners to discuss. We've got actual NFL news in terms of the John Johnson reporting that's out there. Um, We can talk about the fact that Indiana has two lanes of traffic all the way from two major metropolitan cities, which makes no damn sense at all. No. Um, So we have a lot of ways we can go here, bud. Well, I also like that Andrew Barry closed out his his national media or his – I guess it would be his national media with talking about a crystal ball. And my good friend Vince, his dad, whenever you asked a question that was really unanswerable because sure. it pertained to the future, he would always come back with, sorry, my crystal ball's at the cleaners. And I think if A.B. had dropped his crystal ball's at the his cleaners, I think that would have been, yeah, I think that like been, that. That come with real panache, real power. <laughs> that would. Uh, probably, let's do the news. Sure. So John Johnson, um, you know, reportedly will be released. Um, confirmed we by AB. Confirmed by AB. So that's that's yep. the way that's going to go in terms of the timing of it. Um, it it he ended up becoming redundant with Delpit. Like they ended up being the same player. Um, and it is something that we talked about when you're doing your ten things in terms of a need of a true center field safety. Got to have that now. Um, there's been a lot of talk with Jesse Bates. Not sure if that's a fit or if that's something from a financial standpoint that makes that sense. That would work, right. But you have to ha- – that now is something that is also not on the roster. Yeah, it's a new hole. And it, that's why it was on our top ten things. You could kind of see the writing on the wall, you know, if he gets cut. And, and A.B. did not say exactly if – you know, they're still open to trade him, obviously, if somebody wants him. Um, they can release him. They can release him post-June 1st, which – basically just kicks it forward and, and saves $9 million on this year's cap. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of ways to go about that for the Browns, and, and we'll see what direction they ultimately choose to take. But, yeah, it creates another need, certainly in your starting lineup. The fact is what we're talking about with the speed receiver, that's in some ways a luxury, right? And you could go into the season next year. Your starting offense is fully intact. Yes. You you know, David Bell, you hope, progresses in year two as a slot. We saw, you know, Jakeem Grant will be healthy. You got a little juice from Jalen Darden. Maybe he's somebody that can, you know, do some of that vertical stuff for you. But you're pretty much good in your starting lineup on offense. Defensively, though, right now you have one for sure starter on your defensive line. You have one for sure starter at linebacker. 
and JOK. I mean, Jacob Phillips, it's hard at this point, unfortunately, to, to count on that. Well, Tony we, Fields flashed a little bit for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what we talked about with AB. Like, you're you're at a point with some of these guys where whether it's injury or lack of production or whatever, where it is now go or can you even in terms of counting on them. Right. Now go as in go be who we drafted you to be or – we right now we got to move off of it. We got to you got to find something else as a solution. And I think one thing with you know, and this was very easy to see coming with the John Johnson news. But like, as you were in the middle of doing, you start to think about all the things that we don't have defensively. It's ending up getting to be a pretty long list. Well, you need three starters on the defensive line, and and it's a potential that you know one or one maybe two could come internally but you need three starters on the defensive line you need probably a starter or two at linebacker and now you need a starter at safety and you probably need a a backup slot corner so i mean you have significant needs on the defensive side of the ball there's no doubt about that yeah offensively like i said you're in a pretty good spot what we want to add to the offense is in many ways it's a luxury and it's a luxury that i think it's an enhancer much the way that like Al Pastor is phenomenal, but when you have the Al Pastor with the sliced pineapple, that's, the, spit, that's what that's what you get, you know. Yeah. And that's what I think our speed receiver is. He's that he's that nice spit roasted pineapple. It's the difference between like I guess the way I would that I think of it is all of the things that are on defense are minimum requirements, right? In order to feel we the could play team. offense right now. Yes. The speed receiver, to me, is the difference between being a playoff team or being a team that can win the Super Bowl. I don't know that our offense is currently constructed as one that's dynamic enough to win the Super Bowl. Okay. And so that's, to me, what I think. When I think of speed receiver, I think we have got to have a home run hitter on that side of the ball, vertically, horizontally, both. Um, We need that guy. So, But all the other things are just, without this, you're not a playoff team. So you got to yeah. do all these things just to be a playoff team. Yeah. So it's that's the baby step, and then the big step is this is like the thing that would unlock you to be able to contend with Kansas City and um, you know the the Bengals and the Bills and those type of teams. Yeah, that's why it is as we've talked about. It is an interesting off season, and there is a new challenge that they've never confronted before. They're going to stick to their process, and yes, they can act as though. You know, it is the same as it's been every year, but it's not. You have a quarterback no. right now with a $53 million cap hit, which will be the largest NFL history. Again, that will be restructured. But it's just a totally different scenario now in terms of you can't have it all. You are going to have to make choices on your roster. And I think where the Browns made choices in the past, you know, this last year the defensive tackle decision was one they made on purpose. And linebacker, due to injury, it just didn't work out. Yeah. And and in some in the case of defense tackle, just due to lack of talent and production, it didn't work out, yeah. and that magnified and exacerbated what happened at the second level with the linebackers. And then you end up with your two safeties being your top tacklers, which is not the situation you wanted to be in. You didn't really have a true center fielder back there. Uh, you didn't have really a ball hawk. Grant showed that over the second half of the season that maybe he can become you know a ball hawk, but he's still at his best closer to the line of scrimmage. Uh, he can play the post, but you like him split safety looks, but you'd like him closer to the line of scrimmage. So, yeah, there's a, there is a lot of work to be done, and Jim Schwartz is stepping into a situation that is is more of the challenge. On the two sides of the ball, the bigger challenge lies certainly on the defensive side in terms of roster construction and what needs to be added. And the work has been, been done. I mean, they know all these things. You know, we they've known it for a long time. And so, um, you know, a lot of this stuff is starting to stack, and you're – 
you'll, you'll see where it goes. And the new league year is in the middle of March, so you have some organization that needs to be done there. And then you've got to hit on some of these picks. So that's well, what that, it is. I think that is so important that you've got to hit on your picks. You've got to hit on your second-round pick has got to be someone of consequence. And perhaps there is a trade that the Browns can make from one of their players that maybe we would be surprised to see go that could bring back a second-round pick. Yeah. And then you have an opportunity right there to get two critical pieces, one on either side of the ball or maybe even two on the defensive line that all of a sudden fundamentally change how this team looks. Um, you know, we have heard so much about in this draft, and, you know, we've talked to people going around, and they do think it's a good edge draft, mm-hmm. big need for the Browns. They think it's a great running back draft, not a need for the not Browns. Not a need, yeah. Yes. From Adam Schefter, three minutes ago. Verified, Gibby? Verified? Verified. Does this have to do with us? Yes. A Darrell Rivas, Joe Klecko, Joe Thomas special. Jets, Browns kick off the 2023 preseason. Thursday night at the Hall of Fame game. No doubt. In Canton. You know what that means, everybody? All the players on the Browns are bummed out because they have got to report. We're starting early. Start a week earlier than everybody else. So when's that start, like January 4th, live from training camp for us? Uh, yeah. Basically, can <laughs> I January 4th. Can, I, can I just say that? July 4th. Uh, Gibbe, July 4th, start July 7th. Gibbe, you came onto the program there with a breath. The, when you said, and I even stopped and said verified, and I thought. I said verified. I, thought, I know you did, and I thought, oh, my God, are we going to get a big, is this big trade? I mean, you know. I thought something big was happening. Everybody yeah. was just on, and yes, the, and, then, and then all of a sudden see. there was something big. I thought um, you, were, yeah, I thought you were coming well, it, with something. It, it is big. It it's worthy for, of the. It's, it's formal. We're, it's we're worthy going. of you turning the mic on for sure. It is, but it is. It was that was probably pretty projectable. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yep, yep. My fear. My fear was that we just had all of the luminaries, and then like somehow we've pulled off a trade. For well, I dad. feel like that'll come later this week. Could. I uh, do have some breaking news out of Jade. Jade McCray, one of the great program. Treat ourselves to an incredible meal at Nesso while you're in Indy. Said that Outstanding part. Italian uh, exceptional wine list. Uh, where is a Nesso? I don't know. We'll have to look at it. We'll have to get it on the old the Google The proximity machine. of that is always the key because if it's in any sort of suburb, then, then you're talking at? about an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, maybe three. You know. That we're I out. once had a guy tell me that Fort Wayne was a suburb of Indianapolis, and I laughed at it. And now I don't know. It no, might be. right down here, point four miles. So it is. It is downtown. It's in our mix. It's in our mix. Sure. Can we bird it? We could bird it there. Yeah, no doubt. How about the joy on the birds last night? Oh man, yeah. We haven't even talked about it. what a great night you and I had, just hanging out, talking. Fantastic life. It was joyous. Gibbe was there. Okay, great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Gibby was in the mix. Gibby, you were holding court though, opposite us the entire night. You were. You were on the opposite end of the table, as if if as if you I were wasn't too, trying to like. You were too good for us. You didn't uh, want to be was, in our midst. That is not true. You were, that is beyond not true. Yeah. Gibby, there popcorn. there was something we came across in your scouting report that said that you fear the bird and do not want to get on one. What what where does this come from? Why is this the, the why la- is this in the scouting report? The last time I got on a bird, it was with you, and we were like together. No, no, My no, no. God, no. Oh, like that no. I would pay to see. Yeah. <laughs> There, you want to boost the Twitter Give numbers. was not comfortable on the bird. Let's no, I, I was not comfortable. We were going down a the street. There, I'm like, oh, sweet, there's no one here. I start to gain a little speed, start to gain a little speed. Here comes a car whipping around the corner at like yeah. 40, and I was like, nah. He's, yeah. I yeah. will say on the bird, like. It can escalate if quickly. If you're going to be a city that has birds, then you need to have a 
a dedicated a bird bike lane or yeah. bird lane because yeah. what happened, what's happening around here is there's really no safe venue for you to ride the bird. And every street's one way. And every street's one way. So you can way. get caught you really, burdened upstream. Yeah, you can get caught. Which we did. I mean, I wasn't going to say that out loud, but yes, we did. Um, and so then is it better to go upstream, a little salmon upstream, or to go sidewalk, which is, you know, prohibited? Banned. You know? Yeah. So that's the tricky nope. part of it. Yeah, we had a great night, some great tacos. We ran back tacos for lunch. And we had tacos. This place is going to change the whole lunch game. It's right where our sushi spot used to be. Yeah. It's gonna that be was block. a great spot. Uh, the sushi spot was. I wish it was sushi because we've had nada. Yeah. But I, as is on the record, if I could have one cuisine, I would. I, I originally picked Mexican. So I I will just pick a different fare tomorrow. Yeah. It was same. I'm going to go shrimp tomorrow. I mean, yeah. The bowl was a delight. Yeah. I and the shrimp would... tacos were delicious. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely yeah. delicious. So that's where you are. Um, tomorrow we'll have Coach Stefanski, and, and we'll see what that goes with that in terms of our our business of the day. I thought one thing that was really illuminating and in regard to player acquisition via draft, the comments from A.B. when he, when we asked him, like that number surprised me. How low? Five, how low the combine is, like 5%, but really guys they've done homework on who aren't medicals, 2% of their evaluation is the combine. So what the combine is, folks, is where business gets done. Yes, that's, that's the value really the, the value of the combine. And there's where things that you can find out, good or bad, about a player's either makeup or their, in other cases, their medicals that change your eval and what you know ultimately shakes out. But yeah, this is where business gets done. This is where free agency begins. This is where you learn about, you know, who the targets are going to be for certain teams, what the plans are going to be for certain teams, and, and you know, information, I think, is the, the number one currency here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely it. Do you have other breaking news, Gibby? I'm trying to figure out who this Andrew Lind gentleman is. Oh, he's a – I know who he is. Do you want to have the conversation on the air, or do we – uh, is it better? So he, he just tweeted out, Eagles, Seahawks, Tampa Bay previously announced they'll wear throwback uniforms in 2023. Mm-hmm. Sources have indicated the Browns, Broncos, Colts are also getting alternative or throwback helmets. I will tell you this on on, on, on Andrew Lind. I will tell you this on Andrew Lind. And when it comes to Nike gear, yeah. dialed in. Well, dialed well, there in. you go. So I think so you, you could go. almost put that one. Into in the bank. So that means it. it's got to be an alternate helmet. It's got to be a white. Or it could be just the one we wore last year with the white masks again because that was an alternate. So I think it could be that needs to become the standard. So. Agreed, and eventually I think it will. Well, 2025. But you know you know someone who is fashion forward in all ways? No man doubt. who's going to join us these, coming up dead. Look at this. It's, he's always got it dialed in. The great Benjamin Albright will join us yes. coming up next. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Live from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Well, all of that is true. We are here live at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Bo and Z with you and a great friend of the program, NFL insider Benjamin Albright, joining us, of course, at KOA in Denver and boy. 
you had a year. Let's just start with your, <laughs> your Broncos and 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 the. I mean, you got new ownership, new quarterback, uh, lots of drama to all of it. Um, when you're in the middle of all of that, how much of what was being talked about outside was was real, and 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 how much of it was boy that that, that didn't quite hit home right. Yeah. Well, first, great to see you guys, and it's been what three Likewise. coaches I think since right. uh, since, yeah. since we last. Um, some of it's true, some of it's not. Like they, they, all this Russell Wilson stuff that's coming yeah. out. Um, I, I've been told by, I mean, I, I know somebody close to Russ. I know Broncos side, Seattle side, that him walking in there and demanding John, you know, the PP fire, that's nonsense. But, you know, there was a hypothetical brought up after a, a season meeting. And uh, and so there was, you know, that truth. There was a power struggle there. I mean, Russell sure. Wilson's Russell Wilson's ego, for lack of a better term, got the better of him. It got better of him in Seattle. It got the better of him in Denver. And now Sean Payton is here, and he's going to have to choke that, put that down, and, and – get to work or else he's not going to be in Denver after this year so what did you make of that season for the Broncos and the Hackett experience was almost urban-esque in its incompetence what did you make of that I I mean I want to be professional, but at the same time, bro, what what was I watching? Like that right. was like the weirdest, wildest. We thing. knew a week one. The I've way been, week one was the, handled. The crowd is counting down the play clock. Like, what are you doing? You had to yeah. hire a guy two weeks in to manage the play clock for you. Yeah. Like yeah. when when he was hired, I was a little skeptical. Like, okay, this guy didn't call plays. Last time he called plays was Blake Bortles. But he was fun. It was out here. I got to meet him out here. It was the first time I really connected with him. And he was fun to talk to. So I'm rooting for him. I'm like, all right, cool. This guy's cool. Like we're mm-hmm. hanging out of prime, you know, all the and then this, the, you know, we get to training camp, and I'm like, well, you know, this looks okay, but this doesn't look like there's a lot of lack of experience here. I'm not. We get into the season, I'm like, oh god, oh dear god, and yeah. uh, you, it just, it, it, you're like, well, it can't get worse, and then it would. Yeah, <laughs> and it was one of those things like I, I've I've never seen a season like that. I've been I've been around football for a long time. I've never seen something like that. It was uh, it, gross incompetence, mismanagement, egos running wild, and it all culminated. Then we're going to fire Hackett until after the season. It all culminated, culminated on Christmas, where you've got an offensive line that finally quit blocking for Russ. Wouldn't pick him up after he got sacked. Uh, the backup quarterbacks lighting into the offensive line on the sideline, and then there's a fight between the offensive line and the backup quarterback who's just trying to. And, and at that point, he lost control of the sideline. And didn't the, do anything to any of them. The defense didn't play wow. in that game. Yeah, the defense that decided it's Christmas. Our old friend gonna, Baker Mayfield looked like yeah, they yeah. the greatest quarterback ever. alive. It was uh, yeah. you know I was like, can we get that guy? It was it was yeah, it was just a a. a a horrible season for the Denver Broncos, and and kind of uh, you know in looking at that, I guess it shaped what this thing was going to be going forward because the massive amounts of inexperience that were there. Now you bring in Sean Payton, Vance Joseph. Uh, there's there's plenty of experience on the staff now that's that's here. It's almost like a worth it wasted year to get Sean Payton. Oh yeah, and I I think you can I think you can you know, and I know that from your reporting, he wasn't necessarily the first, but it might end up being the. I mean, I'm guessing right now it feels like the best. Yeah, I mean, they were after Jim Harbaugh. That was the guy. Uh, it was gonna be Harbaugh, and then you know how Harbaugh is. You know, you, yeah. they're like, well, we want to go through the process, and Jim Harbaugh's like, well, wait a minute, I'm Jim Harbaugh. Like, well, there's no right. process. I'm the guy, or I'm not the guy. Yep. And so he's like, well, I'm going back to Michigan then. Well, they go through the interview process, and D'Amico Ryan's has a knock it out of the park interview, and they they sort of get into it with him, like you're gonna be the guy, this that and the other. He's okay, cool, yeah. He starts telling people in San Francisco, we're getting this band together, we're going to go to Denver. And then the Broncos inexplicably fly out on a Monday to Michigan to try to recourt Jim Harbaugh, and it gets out. And yeah. D'Amico is, you know, throwing expletives at the Broncos, and uh, and then he decides that he's going to he's going to go to Houston instead. So the Broncos kind of like circle around back to, so, Sean Payton, we started here. <laughs> right. And uh, that's where it ends up. And, and you know, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the staff they've assembled. I think it's a, a decent staff bringing back. 
back Vance Joseph. I think the fans is kind of a head scratcher, but he's a, he's a decent defensive coordinator. Um, I'm I'm okay with this staff. We'll see what they can do. It's a it's a one year audition for Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. Certainly has changed some of the culture um, for the media side of the house. A lot more difficult as he has you know closed fist on everything. So one of the guys that I think a lot of Browns fans are are, are dreaming about acquiring would be Jerry Judy. It was he was available a year ago. Nothing happened there, and now you think he's no longer available. I don't believe he's available anymore. I think if any Broncos receiver would be available, it'd be Cortland Sutton. Um, I, I don't. I don't believe that he is now. Last year, before the trade deadline, they were definitely shopping him. Uh, matter of fact, there was some sort of package deal they were trying to do down in Miami uh, to get uh, Gasecki and I think something else back, and uh, that fell apart. They wound up because yeah, they needed Tyreek Hill, Waddle, and Judy. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> they didn't have the slot covered. It was right. Um, no, but they, they wound up. What happened was when that fell apart, and they traded Chubb for the draft pick, and then they took Jerry Judy out of the slot. And moved him over to the X, and it was a career revelation for for Jerry Judy. All of a sudden, the light came on, and he was at lights out. And and so, uh, the the best offer they had, I think, the deadline last year was a three and a six in Dallas, uh, two and a five, two and a four. Probably would have got it done, and nobody wanted to offer that. So now, I don't think they trade him for a two and a four. I, I yeah. think he's the guy, and I think they they realize now that he's over there at the X. That's that was his spot all along. They had him in the slot because they didn't want to get pressed off the line. But when you think about it, putting him at the X allows him to create with those quick feet, and, and he's been able to create separation on his own. Like I said, it was a career revelation That's for, what he for was Jerry Judy. In That's college. what he was. Yeah, right. Right, right. The number right. one. Yeah, he was the dude. Yeah, on a, Henry on Ruggs a, was over there on the other side of the right. zone. So, yeah. Right. On a, on a receiving core that you know might be the best that's ever been put together in, in, in college football. Um, since last year when we talked to you that ownership deal wasn't locked in at that point, uh, you have it. Um, stability now in, in the Bronx. What, what has it been like? What, what are your impressions early here of, of the ownership out there now, the new ownership? They're willing to spend. I mean, yeah. they want to they want to win. They're willing to spend. They spent uh, $400,000 putting new turf in for the meaningless game in Week 17 or Week 18, whatever it was, against the Chargers, uh, just, just to have new turf because the turf was shoddy. So they're, they're willing to spend. Um, sometimes that works out. Sometimes it's not. I mean, uh, it remains to be seen how meddlesome they are. Like the show hires a Greg Penn or higher, but it remains to be seen how much they've got their fingers in there uh, because you could have an owner that's willing to spend and, and be a little too meddlesome, a la yeah. Dan Snyder, and, you know, and that kind of stuff, and it doesn't work out for you. It ends up creating bad culture. So right now it looks like it's heading the right direction. I mean, they spent up on, uh, you know, new medical personnel, they, all the injuries and stuff. They're, they're trying. Um, I'm, I'm impressed with the try. We'll see if that leads to results. Absolutely, and for the Browns, trying some new things as well. New defense coordinator, mm-hmm. new special teams coordinator. What did you kind of think of those moves? Well, the Schwartz thing, I'm a big fan. I mean, you know, I've known Jim for a few years, and he's he, he's going to be fun. I'll give you a lot of fun quotes. It's a, it's, an, a, it's a good defense, a good style of defense. Um, you got to get the right personnel in there, obviously. Uh, and the front four yep. will be big big time and key to that, as well as the corners. But, uh, I, I you know, I, I like the hire there. Um, as far as special teams, I didn't pay as much attention to Brown special teams last year, as, yeah. uh, so I couldn't tell you that, you know, the difference is there. But, uh, you know, overall, I think it's the right, the right defensive coordinator, and, you know, I, it looks like the offense sort of started heading the right direction at the end there. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll see if the the Watson thing works out. Lord knows your Cleveland economy is ten grand richer for for me for that. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's a great true. man of your word. You are a good man. I'll get you out of here on this one. Just big picture NFL quarterbacks, everything right. So Chicago's at the top of the draft. They're working that. You got the Rodgers thing in Green Bay. You got Carr floating out there as well. Is there an order that those three things have to happen in? 
or or not for you? Well, the Rodgers thing is an interdependent on Green Bay. Green Bay is, uh, excuse me, on Chicago at number one. Chicago's going to drop from number one. They are. I think it's to Houston. I think they're just going to lock that spot in to make sure they get Bryce Young and, and, and go from there. Um, I, I believe, personally, that Chicago's going to go back to two and then back again probably to like four, uh, wind up with Will Anderson still falling in their laps there and be the better for it. Um, I, I think you're going to see, like, you know, Carolina and Indy kind of try to get up. Uh, Steichen really likes C.J. Stroud. I know Frank Reich likes Will Levis. You know, we'll see how that works. The big kind of question mark I think for everybody is where does Anthony Richardson fit into all this and you know how, how far does he you know how far does he drift back and who snaps him up but I do think you'll see two to three teams try to jockey up to one two three to get the quarterbacks make sure they get their guys and the Bears luck out getting the hall going backwards yeah. Yeah. as far as the other stuff goes I mean I know New York really wants Rodgers that's their that's their top target if they don't get him Carr is, is next if they don't get that Tannehill's next on their wish list uh, so that's a, a bit of a spectrum of quarterback play sure. I guess um, an interesting hire in, uh, in in making the offense the responsibility of an Nathaniel Hackett and Todd Downings, but I'm told by math that two negatives make a positive. So. <laughs> right. If you multiply two negatives together, you do get a positive. Yeah. Always positive when you see you, my friend. Oh. Yeah. Great to see you. Ah, pleasure's all on this side of the table. The, the great Benjamin Albright. It is. Us. You're exactly right. <laughs> all this, certainly it not, is. On that not, side. not on that side. No so, way. so much more to come. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN. <laughs> Live from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. As we wrap up day one here from over in Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine, always something, always something percolating. Oh, we're oh, talking yeah. about that level of insider. Always something percolating. Something huge. Always in the mix. Always in the mix. Definitely there. in the mix. Yeah. By the way, just want to update people on our drive to 45,000. We're at 40,000. Okay. The Hoff, the Hoff tweeted out today okay. in support of us. I know. I saw it. You did? Well, how did that make you feel? I mean, I, I thought we were friends. I think I don't understand this. So you're, you thought you and the Hoff were friends? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. Wow. That's coming from okay. No, from I, the standpoint of you are anti Hoff doing that? No. No, but like he took a shot at me. Oh, let on me see. Said, oh, this the oh well, I didn't Maybe you should Hoff. know the context yeah. before well, you I don't, take a shot. Because I don't have uh, you know, there's no there's no internet that's worth a damn. Well, that's oh, also a problem. <laughs> Let's yeah, go, Browns like, fans. I thought we were friends. If uh, there's only one purpose really I sure. have in life and retirement, it is to prove Kip A wrong. Follow up Browns Daily for pure joy. The Hoff, he's helped us out. Come on, we need you, folks. Yeah. We need you. We're 40,000, 5,000 to go. We're up 2,000, though, in two days. And you got to do all this by Friday? Yeah. And then at that point, I get the exclusive foursome, the pro shop that's yep. open with the courtesy uh, swag bag ready to go? Yes. All right. Sure. All right. That's where it's at. That's where we're at. All right. We'll do this all again tomorrow, and it'll be pure joy. The next level is coming up next. Day one in the books at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Thanks for listening, everybody. Cleveland Rouse Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and 850 ESPN Cleveland.